thank you for choosing to listen to Mummy on a Break podcast. I am Maria Newman, otherwise known as Mummy on a Break. My journey to becoming Mummy on a Break started back in 2016. That was the year I took voluntary redundancy whilst on maternity leave with my second baby and without really having a plan. The only thing I knew at that moment was that I needed to change my job. And if I didn't seize the day and take my chance, I'd be in the same job doing the same thing up until the time I retired. The thought of that scared me. So long story short, I embarked on my journey of being mummy on a break, which actually started with my decision to start my own business. And by following a very windy road, it led me to create the life I really wanted. I now help women who were like the old me. I help busy working mums who are tired and exhausted take back control and create the life they really want. If you want to find out more about how I can help you, then check out my website, mummyonabreak.co.uk and click on work with me. However, for now, sit back, relax and enjoy this podcast episode. Welcome to the Mummy on a Break podcast. My name is Maria Newman and I am Mummy on a Break. You can find out more about me and Mummy on a Break on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. During this podcast series, I will be interviewing ordinary mums like you and me, who are mums in business. My guest today is Nicola Harker. Nicola is a GP turned coach. Through her coaching business, Nicola Harker Coaching, she helps clients to find their own path to happiness. Welcome, Nicola. Thank you. So I know you, but my listeners don't. Um, Can you tell me and us a bit about yourself, your story and how you got to where you are today so Mm. that the listeners can get a sense of you I certainly can so I've worked in the NHS for over 20 years and most of that time as a GP which um, which I loved but about three or four years ago I realized that I was heading towards burnout I started to notice that everything just felt a bit too much it was a struggle I felt tense a bit irritable at home I wasn't my usual really motivated positive self I wasn't depressed in any way I was happy in my life I was really grateful for my um, amazing job but I could feel that natural sparkle the the kind of problem-solving side of me that was always there previously just wasn't really there and I also was noticing in my patients actually that there are a lot of women who feel overwhelmed, who are just juggling so many responsibilities, who are part of a generation who trained to have a career and then found themselves feeling responsible for everything, for their families, for social engagements, for the house, for their job, feeling like they were failing in all directions. So I knew that I wasn't alone, but I... And in a sense, I worried that if I was feeling like that as their GP, how could I help them? Mm. 
but also I looked around me at the NHS and I realised this isn't going to change anytime soon. It's not going to suddenly scoop me up and help me to, to make this better. The system wasn't going to change. So I realised that I needed to start to look at, you know, what was it about me that was making me at risk of burnout? Because mm. if the system didn't change, if I got myself sorted out, went straight back to work, it would be exactly the same thing again. And so I was having this kind of internal turmoil that wasn't really visible to everyone around me. I was still functioning as a GP. I was doing, I was also working for Macmillan, the cancer charity, doing all of these things, but just looking around me and going, you know, this is really interesting. How did I get to this point? And then it was around the same time that I was kind of chewing this over. Um, something really sad happened, which is that my, the best friend of my next door neighbor was diagnosed with cancer and she had very young children and the same week as my line manager at Macmillan was also diagnosed with cancer. And both of these amazing women that were, you know, a real force for nature. They, they, were, they were energetic, outdoor people, healthy, apparently healthy, non-smokers. There were no obvious reasons why either of them developed cancer. I found it really devastating to watch these two women struck down so quickly. Um, my my next door neighbor's best friend was was dead within a matter of weeks and it was horrifying it was it was so horrifying and and my line manager Macmillan she struggled on for nearly two years but she was told from the start that it was incurable and I couldn't it, it, despite all my experience as a doctor and my personal interest in cancer working for Macmillan for more than 10 years there was just something about the timing of this and seeing these two people go through that and their families that kind of made me stop and think, actually, this is not, you know, this is, this is a cliche, but this is not a dress rehearsal. This is my life. This is my children's upbringing. This is our family life. And I wasn't sure, you know, if I carried on like this, where, where would that end? And that, that sounds like a very morbid thought, but it was a fantastically motivating thought. I really felt, you know, I have to grasp the fact that I am alive you know, out of respect for these two amazing women and actually do something about what I was experiencing. It makes me emotional because, you know, I think I'm not alone. I think a lot of people um, just are not really quite sure how they got to this point. Mm. And, and that really motivated me. I thought, I need to work this out. I need to go away. And, I, and it motivated me to, to study. Um, as a GP, I felt that training as a coach added some skills that I didn't already have. I felt that I was a very compassionate um, doctor and I had a reputation of, of, you know, of that with my patients. And yet I knew that what coaches do, they help people to make changes in ways that I wasn't achieving as a doctor. And I, in all honesty, I was also, I think, frustrated with 10 minute appointments and being the kind of person that actually, I could see all these problems ha happening in people's lives but I, I didn't have enough time or really it wasn't my remit as their GP to be able to kind of help them. And yet I kind of knew that that was the thing that would help them to be healthy mm. was sorting some of this stuff out. So gradually the idea of training as a coach evolved in my mind. But then, um, whilst, <laughs> you know, it's funny how stuff comes together, but um, a friend of mine emailed me about this um, training in Holland 
in mindful self-compassion. She sent me an email, she was just like, yeah, I saw this course, I thought you might be interested. And she was saying that she was going to. And I had a very interesting reaction to that email because my first response was, why the hell does she think I need to go and study self-compassion? Like, mm. what does she see in me? Mm. I was kind of a little bit offended, <laughs> of course, because I had a blind spot. I didn't recognise that I had spent years motivating myself with self-criticism. Mm. And I held on to self-criticism as a kind of a way to have high standards. I thought it was good. You know, it, on, on some level, mm. I, I thought it was, it was part of the way I motivated myself. And she'd obviously spotted that and I took a little longer to work out. So I sort of filed the email, I didn't do anything about it. And, but I started reading the book written by one of the co-trainers of the course, Kristin Neff, um, which is called Mindful Self-Compassion. And, um, and I got curious and um, I could talk more about the book, but in, in a nutshell, I ended up going and doing the training. Five days in Holland, away from my family, um, really worried that this was going to be some kind of navel-gazing, self-indulgent exercise, you know, really resistant yeah, yeah, to the yeah. whole idea of being um, self-compassionate for a whole five days, you know, it just seemed <laughs> crazy to me. Um, but that, that was a big turning point for me, because what they taught me, and I've now learned to teach and I use in my work, is what happens inside of ourselves, in our brains, in our own internal chemistry, in our immune systems, when we criticise ourselves. Um, and what happens with stress, what actually goes on in our brains when we're feeling stressed or when we use our kind of motivation and drive to push through stress and to keep ourselves going. And, and what they taught me was that there are simple ways that I could learn to have an alternative, that I could motivate myself from the place of um, wanting the best for myself, of, of being kind of my inner best friend, rather than this person that was kind of beating myself with a stick, which is really where I was before. Yeah. And it changed so many things. It was almost like this was the missing ingredient that helped me to understand why it's difficult for us to hold clear boundaries, why we don't ask for what we need, why we don't accept help and we we dig on you know mm. on our own mm. and we feel like we have to do everything and it was a, com a complete change for me and it was different you know there are some um, styles of coaching out there and there are some ways of being which are all about you know um, push yourself harder and you know you, you can you can do it and of course I'm very you know I, I believe in all of the motivation but I knew deep down that just driving myself harder was not the answer that I needed to um, find that inner ease, that comfort, that, that ability to, yeah, take myself through really difficult situations while having my own back mm. rather than waiting for someone mm. else to do it for me. And that was a, that was made a big change. And so, so the where I am now is that I've combined learning to teach that course, that training, and, and learning it in a lot of depth with training to become a coach. And... It's an unusual combination, but in a sense, it's it allows me to see when my clients are pushing themselves in too hard in a way that's unproductive. So when we're using words like should, and when we're not accepting help or we're not standing back and seeing what the possibilities are because we're in sort of threat mode in our brain, we're not very creative. 
we can't do nearly as much as we can when we just allow ourselves to breathe to motivate ourselves in a, in a kinder way and yeah my shock from all of this training was I thought that self-compassion would make me weak would make me um you know the person who phoned in sick because I couldn't really be bothered to push myself very hard or you know that it would somehow change my you know I'd lose my motivation perhaps yeah. and it's been astonishing to me that it's had completely the opposite effect so it, it's I'm not scared of failing in fact I see mistakes and failures as a positive opportunity to learn because my own internal sort of conversation is completely different mm. that you know that since I've set up my business you know it's is normal for me to be trying new things every day messing up trying again you know in a way that I think I would have just avoided all of that discomfort before because I was just afraid of failing of not being perfect you know that the, and I didn't realize how much it was stopping me so yeah it's been a fascinating journey so you've got your business did you um start your business as in you stopped doing all of your NHS GP stuff and then it's like day one new business or how how did that work? So what I did was um, I did my training I started my training while I was still a GP and and actually when I look back there was probably a, a lot of research and reading that went on for a couple of years before I left being a GP mm -hmm. um, but I did um, leave my practice where I was working two days a week um, so that I could focus on the business, but I continued to work for Macmillan. So I have a, a, a strategic and educational role with Macmillan. So mm. I, I support the education around cancer for primary care, and I also support um, you know, improving cancer pathways within hospitals and, and looking at ways that we can help cancer patients and their families have a better experience. That work's continued right up until September, where I've had to now take a sabbatical because I'm so busy with what I'm doing um, that I'm, I've sort of given myself six months breathing space to just think about, okay, am I going to continue any of my doctoring work or not? Um, I love working for Macmillan. I love being involved in improving and influencing cancer care. It's obviously something that I'm very passionate about. And yet this work is so important to me that I can see that you know over the next year or two I may end up doing this full full time um I'm probably doing it full time already I'm trying, <laughs> it's um it, you know you know what it's like when you're self-employed it, it just starts to take over but yeah I'm very passionate about it and I can see I can see the possibilities I can see how many people just would benefit from understanding some of these things and having that support to develop those skills for themselves you know if they're if they're starting a business or if they're wanting to to expand their business or, or make some big changes or they just feel that they're stuck mm. then this combination of understanding self-compassion and having a coach that can really help you to see where your blocks are and move forward that's really you know what what I do now so you've said obviously your motivation for looking at where you were and why you were stuck came from your neighbor's best friend and also from your line manager but what like keeps you going today what is your inspiration and your motivation for today is it still rooted in those two ladies or is it more than that it's definitely more than that I, what i realized when i started my coaching business is that 
I love working with women and and I my particular kind of zone of genius is working with exceptional women who they know they have this potential they know that they have a passion or they think there's something there but they haven't quite worked out what it is but they need that that bit of coaching to help them to really um, blossom to really find what it is that's stopping them and to break through that so most of my clients they come from really diverse um, backgrounds and some of them are self-employed and some of them are perhaps in quite high achieving jobs maybe are looking to do things differently or maybe even looking to leave but you know they they know they have the potential but they have that feeling of perhaps watching their life from the sidelines and not fully stepping into their power and not fully Mm. feeling like you know they're they're on a mission and that's what I mean that's what motivates me and that's what I find so energizing when I'm when I'm coaching, when I'm doing these sessions with my clients, is there are so many amazing people out there who just have all of the ingredients, um, but but maybe just need that extra bit to 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 step forward and to to make those changes. So, in your business life so far, mm. what's been your biggest challenge? Oh my gosh! So, I think that <laughs> right. In all honesty, when I started, I didn't even have. A Facebook account, um, like, not even like a personal. No, Facebook account. no, because as a GP, it was really normal to just keep your personal life really not visible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every day since I started this work, I have been trying something new, and it's actually it's become something that I really enjoy now. But it is challenging, you know, just being being your own boss and motivating yourself to get out of your comfort zone and to try. Um, all of these things that you're like, I just don't know how to do that. And I, I, you know, I used to call myself a technophobe, and I have had to drop that <laughs> because I am having to, you know, learn to master lots of things. Yeah. And enjoy it, and not be afraid to say, well, I don't know how to do that, but let's work it out. Mm. Um, so that was the biggest challenge, and yes, I had to stop, you know, using those kind of terms towards myself because it's limiting. You know, if you tell yourself you're not good at something, you're going to believe it. So um, that yeah, I think that's been my biggest challenge. It's it's been the source of quite a lot of comedy and um, you know <laughs> even today there's something I've got to go and work out from a tech point of view, <laughs> something that's not working. But um, yeah, I think that's been my biggest challenge. But it must be like really re- rewarding when you're doing something that you think you have no knowledge about, mm. and then you do it and. And it works out. There might be some stumbling, but it works out. Absolutely. Like, I did that. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I think I didn't know that I was going to enjoy that side of things so much. So although it's a source of like, oh no, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> at the same time, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's, I mean, it's a little bit like, um, you know, when you first have a baby and you realise that suddenly you're in this phase of your life where you learn something new every single day. Mm. I really enjoyed that. You know, having a baby was really difficult, but that was one <laughs> of the things I was thought you know since becoming an adult I hadn't had such a steep learning curve Mm. and and I guess the business is a bit like you know growing a child it's (laughs) it's that whole I I just don't know what I'm doing um you know each time I try something new I don't know what I'm doing but Mm. that's okay and um yeah it's very rewarding and yeah I just keep standing back and kind of go look at you 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 have to be your own cheerleader you 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 definitely do do. do. (laughs) well I think it's got to start with you you can't expect other people 
And I'm saying this and thinking I really should do more. But anyway, <laughs> you need to look at you first and, and, and go, yeah, that was amazing. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I, that I do, and I try and do this every day, I don't always manage it, but one of the things I do is to, is to have a done list. You know, what have I achieved today? Just a quick reminder, even if it's just like a mental reminder. Um, because otherwise the to-do list is always bigger and you're always focusing on what's not been done. Mm. Whereas actually, you know, consciously choosing to give yourself a pat on the back for all of the things that you get through, it's really reinforcing it. actually helps you to, to keep going. This is what I found. Mm. And, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's bringing some humour and some fun into it as well. It's, this is not about having a miserable time. It's actually about, you know, saying, oh, I'm, I've done this and I, and, and I, I didn't think I could and I, and I have. Um, and that's almost daily for me, but I really enjoy that, yeah. So what's the best thing you've done or achieved as part of your business, whether it's a moment or um, a project? So I think that um, the, the thing that I always think about with the best thing is, is my clients, is my individual clients, where I, I see what they're doing or I see the change that they've achieved. And that makes me really um, proud and really emotional. And the same with the courses that I run when I run group courses. You know, I always speak to my clients before they start a, a, one of my group courses. Um, so I know where they, where they are and what their mm. challenges are. And I keep all of that to myself, but I'm just, you know, there's one eye on what's happening. And I can see the change in people's faces, the change in their eyes, the change in their energy as they go through the process um, of learning with me. And, I, and that, uh, for me, is just, yeah, it's the best thing. And it's, it's, it's very energising. It's definitely what, what keeps me going. So... Obviously, you can't share personal information, but are there a couple of your clients that you sort of think, that person, on oh my word, what they've achieved from where they were when they started mm. to where they are now, mm. they're just like the highlights of all the clients that you deal with? Yes, I think everyone I've worked with has been um, incredible in their own way. But one of the things that happens when I talk to clients, or you know, even my one-to-one clients, it's the same. Quite often people will say, they'll approach me for coaching, they'll say... I don't know if you can coach me because I might be too much of a mess or, you know, I've got something in my past that was too big. Yeah. And I, and I, I reassure them that I hear that quite a lot. And, um, and it's that realization that they have even within the first session or, you know, coming back for their second session, they realize a, they are just, they're fine just as they are. Mm. There's that realization of acceptance. And sometimes clients will say, you know, I said to you, there was some horrible, you know, thing in my past I was going to have to talk about. I've realised from what we talked about in that session, it's not even relevant. I can let that go. And they, they use phrases like, you know, I see my life through a different lens. And I'm just blown away by that. Um, so that's really enjoyable for me. And, and sometimes it's the, it's not even so visible things that I can see are different, just the words that people are using about themselves mm. um, or the way that they pick themselves up from difficulties that is the, is the biggest shift. You know, life doesn't suddenly become perfect when we have coaching or, you know, when we learn something new, but it's about what happens when the next big challenge comes along and how do we deal with that? And when, when people contact me and say, you wouldn't believe how I just got through this or mm. that, that's really rewarding for me. <laughs>
think that your um, experience and knowledge from a medical point of view has helped you with your coaching and obviously I'm assuming it's going to give you something unique to what you're offering yes I think I, I think it is certainly it has been helpful it, it's been helpful in um, in a couple of ways so I think having a lot of experience around I, you know I've met so many people during my career that I'm I'm very calm I'm I'm not easily phased by anything that someone's going to tell me because it won't be the first time I've come across that so I think my clients appreciate that that there's really is nothing that you can tell me that I, I'm going to you know I'm, I'm not going to judge and I'm and I'm also you know I'm really not going to be phased I actually did um for qu- quite a while a stint as a cri- crisis counsellor on top mm-hmm. of my work as a GP mm-hmm. and again I think that's been really helpful because sometimes when we're going through big transformations, we can panic. Mm. We can we can get in a mode of thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't. And being able to be really calm and to be able to hold space for people and listen to them and let them voice their fears without flapping and fixing is, I think, is, um, is an important skill as a coach. And so I think I've benefited, you know, from having those, those two things. Interestingly, when I was trained as a coach, the biggest thing I learned really early on in my coaching training is that doctors um, may think that they listen, but there's a whole nother level of listening, you know, that that I've developed since since training as a coach. Mm. So in many ways, I also needed to let go of being a doctor in order to be a good coach, because unconsciously as a doctor, you because you have to work in 10 minute chunks, you do inevitably become a bit of a fixer. <laughs> and you know, and yeah, I've yeah. really consciously left that behind. Uh, if someone asks me specifically, you know, for advice on something, uh, you know, I'll check with them. Is that what they want? And I might give my opinion. But being a coach isn't about fixing. Um, it, it's the it's the opposite. It's about allowing people the space and safety to do their own best thinking and to come up with solutions that work for them mm. and to ask the right questions in the right way at the right time to allow that process to happen. Um, so it's really quite different from being a doctor. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm lucky that I've had that experience. I think it helped me to get out there and not be afraid of coaching and, and, and holding space for people. I, I'm lucky that I've had that experience. So this series obviously is about mums in business. Mm. And the um, well-asked question, you are a mum mm. and... Your business is still in the early stages, would you say? Mm-hmm. How do you juggle? And your children, they're not, they're not adults. They're no, sti- they still young. need you. Mm-hmm. How do you do that mummy juggle of getting what you need from a business point of view versus being there for your children and giving them what they need mm. as a mum? And actually, that's one of the big drivers as a mum is wanting to be able to be there for your mm. children. It's really important for me. Um, yeah, it's been challenging. So I think there are some key things. The first is I, I, really, um, I really worked hard on understanding boundaries and, and why in the past when I was becoming burnt out, why did I struggle with um, asking for what I needed, being clear? Um, and I think that developing that, um, that compassionate voice for myself that says it's normal to struggle. I think in the past I used to think that if I was struggling there was something wrong with me. But actually, it's normal to struggle, and so it's okay to say, 
okay, this, this week feels too much. I need to have a conversation about you know, how we can get through this. Mm. I needed to let go of owning everything as a mum. I have a <laughs> husband, you know, so again, shared responsibility. And that's been really great for both of us, actually, because I think probably as a mum, when, particularly when they were really little, I held quite tightly onto that responsibility. And I, you know, as they, they're in primary school still, but, you know, as they get a little bit older, I think you can um, challenge your own boundaries and expectations about around being a mum. Do they, does it need to be me? Mm. Could it be someone else? Mm. I have an army of babysitters and really supportive friends, um, which has been, you know, really essential. And sometimes, like only yesterday, I needed some short notice childcare um, and people have been really, really supportive. Um, so, yeah, I think those are the, are the key areas. But the other thing I think that I've learned over the last couple of years it's very important to have a strategy and it's very important to set goals, put things in the diary and to to have a clear focus for what you're expecting to do on a given day or a given week. And as a parent, as a mum, and anyway, I think in business, this is a good thing to remember. Sometimes you have to adjust your sales. If you're knocked off course by a storm, which might be because your child is ill or you're mm. ill yourself, you can lose so much ground by just getting frustrated and fighting that situation. But sometimes you just have to change your plans. And, you, you know, it's not about letting clients down. It's the stuff in the background. I always honour what I'm going to do for my clients mm. as, as where, where possible. Um, but there are those adjustments that you can make. And again, not beating yourself up about that. Mm. I think, you know, I noticed when I, you know, when I struggled with this in the past, the worst bit about, you know, my a child suddenly becoming, falling ill was before I let go of what I thought I was going to get done that day. As soon as I took a breath and went, okay, they're ill and I want to be here for them, mm. you can adjust, you can you can make a call, you can mm. sort things out, you can get someone in to help or whatever. And just losing that resistance um, and being able to be a little bit flexible, I think, has really helped me to stay sane. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if that's any help, but that's... I think it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, like sitting well with me I come like oh it's really good advice so um last question which is like a two-parter what's the best advice anyone has given you and what's the best advice you can give someone else who is listening to this podcast and going do you know what I am stuck or I really want to go and do x but I don't know where to start or I don't want to start because that's really scary. Mm. So the two pieces of advice, best advice given so to the, you yeah. and someone and given to someone else. Mm. So the best advice that was given to me, which, which was qu- quite a long time ago, but when I was in, still in that struggle, when I was still overloaded, um, someone very wise said to me, um, the bliss you seek is inside yourself. And what really struck me about that is that firstly I hadn't mentioned that I was seeking any kind of bliss so I thought they were very perceptive to Mm. understand that whilst I was in that struggle I felt like everybody else had something sorted that I didn't and I was criticizing myself for that Mm. and I was seeking some kind of inner calm some kind of sense of I'm all right I'm I'm fine just as I am and and what I what I learned following, you know, I've taken that with me, and I think that is really absolutely true. Mm. We can look to fix solutions, we can look for help, we can all of those other things, and actually having help to find that inner voice, that 
that yeah that best friend on the inside that's where the bliss lies actually so for me that that's been really a sustaining bit of advice um in terms of someone who's listening to this and kind of thinking you know yeah I relate to some of these things there is obviously so much I could teach you because um, I've I've learned a lot along my way. But I think that one of the one of one small nugget that I think has been really helpful for me is that your inner critic, if it was like a little independent being, your inner critic actually thinks it's trying to keep you safe. And so we can't if we try and get rid of that part of ourselves, we're fighting against a part of ourselves. But actually, if we can invite that little being into the room and say, right, so you're being a bit annoying, but actually I get that you're trying to help me here. You're trying to keep me safe. So let's just look at, so what is that about? What am I scared of? Mm. What, what, am I, what am I trying to avoid? What, what is it that, that is the motivation behind that? Because often our inner critic is we're either trying to get in there before someone else criticises us, or we're, we're trying to keep ourselves socially acceptable. So mm. we're, we're trying to fit in with mm. the tribe. Um, often there is something that makes us criticise ourselves. Um, but if we remember that our inner critic is trying to keep us safe, then there is an alternative way of doing that, which is that we can, we can motivate ourselves by saying, I want the best for you. Mm. So I want you to be the best you can. So that might involve being motivated to change something but you can do it from from an internal voice that says I want the best for you Mm. and it's a subtle difference and it has the same motivation of wanting to keep you safe but the tone the way that it feels the way it's received by our brains is one of okay like I've got a best buddy here who wants the best for me he's going to be honest with me and yeah as a starting point for some you know for any of us going into business I think the biggest challenge is ourselves you know that that the the things we tell ourselves on the inside are our biggest limiting factor you know we we procrastinate we avoid because we're scared of failure or whatever so so this is why I'm so passionate about this because if if I can help you or if you can learn to master that inner voice that is putting up all sorts of obstacles and stopping you from doing what you want to do. And you can recognise you're only trying to keep yourself safe. Mm. So can you come at that from another angle? Then I think that that is a major help in success. Thank you, Nicola. So to end the interview, if anybody listening wants to get in contact with you, what's what's the best way? Probably the easiest way is through my website, which is www.nicolaharker.com. No, sorry, nicolaharkercoaching.com. I knew I'd get that wrong. <laughs> I had it written down, nicolaharkercoaching.com. Um, I'm on Facebook as Dr. Nicola Harker, um, at DR for doctor. I'm on LinkedIn as Nicola Harker Coaching, and I'm also on Twitter. But yeah, my website is probably the easiest place to start. Uh, thank you very much for being part of the podcast. And thank you, everyone, for listening.